Hello, readers. Welcome to 20 Questions with Your Favorite Author, where we ask authors important questions like, why would you agree to be on this podcast? I'm Kelly Lynn Colby, Editorial Director at Curse Dragon Ship Publishing. Our guest this week is William Galaney, writer of Multifaceted Conflicts and Catnapper. After marrying his college sweetheart, Wrighty became his vehicle to pull his life together. Six novels, four cats, 40 pounds, and one son later, you now can find him publishing games and novels with Evolved Publishing. If he's not your favorite now, he will be after. Welcome, William. How are you? I am good. How are you, madam? Not bad. Not bad. We're going to have some fun tonight. Oh, no. After the prosecutorial questions. Prosecutorial questions. Yes. Yes. Right. We're going to get to those, too. Let's see. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Let's see. Who else do we have on here? Oh, we have uh, Wolf of the Silver Cross is on. Hello, hello, hello. And I think we said hi to everyone else. We've got Kevin and the moms and Jenny and Josh and all kinds of awesome people. So thank you so much for being here. Is that me going in and out safe or are we good? Nope. He's silent now. He doesn't want to talk. You should be. Yay, you Jessica's sound good here. here. Okay, good. All right. So, see, we're a professional. Professional production here, William. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. Recovery is what matters most. That's right. We're polished. You know, totally set. Let's see. Oh, we've got Pan Parid Page. What is it? Pan Parid? I know. Pan Parid Page. I wanted to say Pampered, but it's not quite Pampered. Pampered what's, Page? What's on page 26? Because yeah, I remember. I really want to look up all my books and see what's on page 26. We're reading uh, in seventh grade Pillars of the Earth, and uh, page 76 stood out in my young mind. Oh. I learned a lot from Ken Follett's page 76 of that book. Mm-hmm. And now we all want to ask the question, what's on page 76 of that book? Look for the hardcover edition. <laughs> In what language? I mean, come on, let's be specific. Oh, English. Oh, okay, okay, just checking. <laughs> and yeah, SSW exactly, kids. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I read that in class, too. I was like, oh. So, <laughs> thank you, reading. Oh, my. New worlds, indeed. The things you learn. Man, it's been so long since I, all I remember is stone cutting. See, I've forgotten all the good stuff. All right. That's where my boring mind goes. <laughs> so question. We've got our hard hitting first question. Let's see how you handle this one. Are you ready? Okay. Where do you get your ideas? Oh, oh my gosh. Um, well, uh, an amalgam of things. First off, there's, there's this. Um, whiskey's an assist um honestly a lot of times I'll, I'll read literature or explore the books and i basically just stand on what others have done previously uh trampling the land of woe is basically a steampunk dante's inferno so if not for the divine comedy it, it never would have taken on this this look um but also questions is basically where a lot of my story ideas come from like you know what if or i wonder if we could do this or that um, what would it be like to try and like legitimately colonize Venus? You know, it's, it's 10 times our air pressure. It's 500 degrees. What would that be like? And what would that do to the psyche long-term? You know, what would highly intelligent bacteria be like? And so that becomes a whole story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so things of that nature, hmm. uh, just questions. Mostly I get my ideas from questions. And we answer them with pure logic and no imagination at all. Right. Uh, the li- more, 
the more you can trace my question to a logical conclusion, I feel the better it is. But you're absolutely right. <laughs> you never let that get in the way of narrative. Good story. That, yeah, right. exactly. Uh-huh. That's right. Logic is for, you know, other things. Not not story writing. Until your editor gets a hold of it. Then they tell you all about logic. Well, so, what I feel is like whatever logic you want to presenting to the reader, the reader has to have internalized your rule set of logic. Um, and the logic methods of the characters have to follow what characters would typically follow so it's mm-hmm. not too left field. If that right. makes sense. Right. Oh, it does. Um, my first make up whatever I, rules you want, but don't break your own rules. <laughs> exactly. And make sure your rules are clear or at least available. True. True. And if you do change them, there better be a good reason for it. Right. And and retcons are impossible. Like I, I, I This is a five-part series I'm doing now. And it got to the point where I had to keep referencing the older books and throw away moments that I was writing in the first book. I realized, oh, that came to bite me hard because now I can't do a bunch of different things. Oh, no. So now I've learned to produce basically a wiki for all my settings and worlds. So I have different characters, their motivations, and just just how they speak in their inflections because I want to make sure their dialogue still feels distinct uh, because I can't keep track of it all here anymore. It's too much. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, that first book is thick. So now with three out, I mean, this is impressive. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, before we get to the real the questions about your books, what sorry. is your favorite place to write? Don't be sorry. This is you. You talk about whatever you want. Oh, ah, favorite place. First mm-hmm. off, I'm weird because I can write anywhere. I can I can write on a sinking ship. I'm fine. That is a true gift right there. Yeah. William. I got people <laughs> screaming in the background. No problem. Um, but my favorite place to write is there is... God, this is so... All right, there's a... Just down the street, there's a gas station. Confession time. It is confession time. It's sheets. It's one of the... It's sort of like a step down from Wawa. Okay. But they grind the coffee there, and all the little ladies know me, and and I have a little corner, and it's me, and then the homeless guy, and the guy who's trying to put his life together with his head in his hands a few seats down. Um, And... (laughs) We just sit there and write, and I've got my headphones in, listen to music while there's a cooking show on with where they put like a stick of butter in a pan and bake it or something awful. <laughs> and I will, I'll write up a storm. I'll do maybe three, four thousand words before I get tired at that gas station. Wow. I'm at home, video games, cats wanting to nap and cuddle, anything can, you know, I, I, my willpower is gone. But when I'm at the gas station, what else am I going to do? You know, I love it. And write. And I'm so glad I'm not the only one who has such a hard time writing at home. So thank you for a little, little validation there. I need. Oh, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough for me. So in your Hellbound series, so that's the one we have the pictures up there with Trampling yep. in the Land of Woe being the first one. Mm-hmm. You've created one of the most unique worlds I've ever encountered. And I read the slush pile. Jessica can back me up on this. There's some crazy stuff we read. And that's cool. But here's the, no, here's the cool part. The cool part is it works. So you've combined like Greek tragedy with Dante's Inferno, with steampunk ma- uh, machinations, with gay romance. I mean, I I could keep going. There are so many elements of it. So I'm wondering, how did you manage that balancing act? Well, the initial start of it was um, I read some of, of course, Dante's Inferno in, in mm-hmm. high school. And then I read the rest of the Divine Comedy in college. And I kept thinking that this was clearly, obviously, a Catholic afterlife. You know, where would people mm-hmm. who are Hindu go? You know, where would... Where would people before monotheism be in this afterlife? And Dante glosses over some of that. 
and with you know the, the the divine souls of purgatory and whatnot who you know the um the unright or the righteous sinners i think was what it was called um depending on the translation i want to read three translations of that thing wow. but yeah yeah uh, the one that rhymes the best was actually the least accurate translation so that was kind of sad oh, no. um, <laughs> the rhyme but, is more important to that person but the idea is what if this wasn't i mean everything the technology clearly reflected what dante himself had seen so what if it took place during World War One? You know, would we start to see some basic industrialization, et cetera? And so I moved it up to take place during the Great War, where the gates are getting flooded with this huge influx of people. And so that was a big part of it, of the setting. But like you've noted, you know, if you don't have character motivations to navigate the setting, you just have a setting, and that's that might as well and be it... a tabletop game book, which is fun, mm -hmm. not a story, not a narrative. Yep, I made um, that mistake. Yeah, and I, I you know everyone does so mm -hmm. if anyone else here is a new writer you'll make that mistake too it's a healthy mistake to make uh you don't make any mistakes really in writing you only make them in publishing but um that's yeah. a really good quote we should write that yeah. one down somewhere once you hit publish any mistake you've made has been made but prior to that you're fine you can always yeah. go back and revise and expand mm -hmm. um but i wanted a narrative to carry it and i felt that alexander the great being in the blood river would be an ideal motivation for Ephestion, his lover and, you know, counterpart to go and rescue him. And I use that as a tour through the setting. Hmm. Um, and I didn't do some of what, like with Dante's Inferno, whenever Dante, the writer himself didn't know how to transition rings, he would just have Dante faint. Like, oh, and you just fall over and then he would wake up in some other part of hell. Oh, are we there yet? And so I had to do different things as well to dodge because some of the transitions are just cumbersome. And a bad movie is people walking in and out of doors. So I wasn't about to write a bad book about people walking in and out of doors. Um, but no, the, the main, like you said, where the ideas come from was the question first off in the setting was what if the Divine Comedy or that super Catholic setting was moved to a different time period? Number two, what if the story didn't center about Alexander the Great? What if we centered around Ephestion, whom we know a decent amount about, but not as much? So, uh, Ephestion's story always appealed to me more. Like, this was the guy who handled, you know, the champions, uh, which was the elite cavalry unit. This is the guy who handled logistics. Um, and he was a good-looking dude from all the... There's more sculptures of him than Alexander, because Alexander kept commissioning him. So I wanted, I wanted to look at it from a fashion's perspective. Well, it's and, brilliant. I loved it. Thank you. And I really appreciate it. I really do. Because mm -hmm. I remember you reviewing it, one of the first people, and, and I felt really good. Because yeah. I needed, I'm like, this. Because you know those phases you get in when you're writing? Uh -huh. Like, oh, this is a great idea. All right, this come together. Wait, does this make any sense? Oh, God, what have I done? Sweet Jesus, is anyone going to read this? So I was in the <laughs> sweet Jesus, is anyone going to read this stage? Yeah. It's scary. Oh. But no, it was awesome. And I'll have to say, it took its time for the second one to come out, and I haven't read it yet. So I'm really looking forward to this. So it looks like this time you're releasing them quickly? Uh, yes. Okay, so mm -hmm. one, two, and three come out a month apart. Um, I love it. Part four comes out in the fall, and then five comes out in the beginning of next year of 2022. Um, and five is it. Five's done. It's Wrapped it up. And, um, but the next one is Boudicca is the main character. Um and so what I did was, because the main story arc of Ephesian, I feel, finds a meaningful conclusion at the end of the first book, I go to the different characters for each of their arcs in the same setting. Because mm -hmm. the setting had a lot of juice to mine, 
but it didn't have... I wasn't going to sit there and have a character not learn. I don't think I could write a seven or five part book series about the same character because they would be Makes too sense. static. Well, it works. Yeah, I mean, he it does the whole arc. I think that's also why I didn't like pick up book two. So that's the other problem, though, right? Oh, like, yeah. I didn't pick up book two oh, right away because it's very satisfying. Concise, at first right. Mm -hmm. And I try to do that with each of the books about a different person, that each of the book is about their arc. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to pick it up. It's funny because when I was looking, because I do some research before this, right? So when I looked and I saw that it was Boudicca um, from it's at the Iceni, right? That's how you say it? Iceni? Right. Yep. You know, I had never even heard of her yeah. until I watched. I love that show with um, Josh Gates in it. And he did a whole show about her. I'm going to interrupt. Expedition Unknown. Josh Gates. Yeah, it's Expedition Unknown. He does an entire thing with her. It's so cool. It's a, Really? Really? Like, Oh my gosh. And I love Josh. Um, he's wonderful. And so I watch anything he does, but he does all these history things, right? So I've learned so much by watching his show and he did, he went all in it, talked all about her. So now I'm reading her in your book. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I well, want to read this to now. Too. Yeah. And part of the problem is I had to go to archeological journals of people uh -huh. looking for her military campaign against the Romans as she pushed South, because a lot of what we have in her clearly is through the Roman filter and the two predominant historians that wrote about her one was very pro-rome rome for romans women yep, suck and that. the other one yeah good and the uh -huh. other one was very like well rome really needs to expand and acknowledge other societies because that's what makes rome strong etc so there's two radically different things uh -huh. then when i went into reading a lot of the plays that came out over like between maybe 1100 to 1400 in england specifically championing her as the first queen of england if a female was on the throne in england the play would be about Boudicca and esteem Boudicca. Mm -hmm. If there's a male on the throne, she would be a minor character and sometimes even a villain. And it's just so, there was so little concrete thing to hang on to. Like uh -huh. I had to pick up her daughter's names because the names attributed to, to them came from one of the plays. No one uh -huh. knows the names of her daughters. So I had a lot of room I could wiggle around on and that was sort of cheap cheating as me as a writer. Because that way, if I wasn't railroaded into any particular set of concrete facts, I could wiggle around a good amount. And, and that's what I did with Boudicca. I made sure it served the story. Because in the end, brilliant, charismatic leader who ruled for about a year over a group of really unruly fighters. Mm -hmm. And she lost. They followed her to war, man. Followed her to war, but they lost against a very small force. And I wanted to make sure that her story is about how she copes with that. That she had Rome on the ropes and lost to 13,000 Praetorians. It's incredible. Yeah, the, the chat is also talking. They love that show, too. And as much as you love history, which I think it's, obviously, I mean, you must love history, right? I don't, you, you research. I love narratives, so right? history is a part of it. About uh -huh. maybe, about maybe two-thirds of what I read is just history. That's fantastic. Yes, you should definitely watch Expedition Unknown, then. So I don't, what, what is it on? I don't, I don't have TV. I want to say it's Discovery something. Okay. Maybe if it's maybe if it's on, uh, I have Netflix. Maybe I'll see if it's, or maybe they'll stream it or something. I don't know. See, so most of the stuff I get, I, I buy. Um, also, another, for those of you who are writers in here, um, call people. Um, like, oh, I, yeah. I had a bunch of Maori characters. I called in New Zealand, the Maori Institute. I have an Aboriginal character, and I talked to someone down in Australia, uh, mm -hmm. a women's Aboriginal um, Institute. And, They'll answer the phone and they'll love to talk to you. I mean, I, I talked to an old crotchety guy about Boudicca from, uh, he called her Bethug. Um, he was in uh, Wales. Mm. And so, yeah, people will answer the phone. They'll be delighted. They'll get back to you. They'll share their expertise. 
It's fun, right? You find that door's open when you tell them you're a writer? Uh, No. (laughs) No! (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Doors don't open from that. Um, They usually like to hear that you're you're doing research or, oh, um, hey, I'm from this university. Instead, I'm like, hey, I'm a nothing writer. I'm in my basement right now day drinking. Wait Can I ask you some <laughs> questions to validate my dumbass narrative because I want to do a revision version of your historical person who's near and dear to your heart so I could profit off them? <laughs> you got 20 minutes? That's usually how it goes. Actually, and it works honestly, every time. It works every time. And they're honestly, they're great. These conversations go for like three or four hours. They'll call you back. They'll send you so much good material. The, um, I mean, like I literally have sketches from Boudicca's, um, what they thought was her township where she came from um the sketches of where the actual stonework was from the halls and, and from the different homes and whatnot uh it's great just wonderful well you just convinced kevin he just bought your book you're gonna love oh, my God. oh great thank you Kevin. yeah seriously you're... i hope i hope william comes to dragon con we talked about that because you two should meet you you two would really get along i love dragon con but i need a room to hide in on occasion yes because one can only take so much flop sweat. Yes. Nope. We feel you there. Yeah. Rooms definitely are required. Let's see. Somebody spell Boudicca. It's B-O-U-D-I-C-A. Sorry. Somebody asked. Like oh, 18, you typed it in. Thank you. Good job. There's like a bunch of different spellings of it, depending on the pronunciation. Given the that first the language, one's the most common, though. Well, yeah. Yeah. The first one's most common. The language predates uh, written English. So. That's true. Yeah. So it's been passed down by generations. And you know how logical English is when it comes to spelling anyways. Yeah, just to give you an idea of how weird Boudicca as a name is, Boudicca eventually translated to the term victory, which translated to Victoria. So Queen Victoria is named after a strenuous series of you know word shifts after Boudicca. So we get the word victory in Victoria from Boudicca. So. That is so cool. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, so she and and some people will credit her as being the first queen or the first even monarch sometimes of the unified England. Hmm. Well, her part of England. Yeah, because if you go to Wales, don't say that. <laughs> you go to Ireland, don't say anything. Oh, don't 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 even mention it. No. Let's see. So, what project that's in progress or not started are you most excited about? Oh, um, I'm working on a on a science fiction book series that's just pure sci-fi um, where it's a hyper-intelligent bacteria that Ooh. is invading the periphery of Earth and wants to get to Earth itself for its ocean life. Uh, and the more of it it can propagate, the more intelligent it becomes. Um, so, so kind of like that, a hive mind kind of thing? Um, yes, but it uses, it doesn't use we as pronouns, it when it eventually does master managing speech, it uses I. And part of this comes from, there's a Denzel Washington movie called The Fallen. Okay. Does anyone remember that rated R 90s schlocky film? Um, there was a scene where the bad guy is a spirit that jumps from person to person. And Denzel Washington's on the street. And as he's talking to a little girl, she walks by and touches someone as the thing jumps into another person. And then he continues a conversation with them. And it bounces from person to person to person. And I always thought it would be interesting if um, you could actually have a conversation with an antagonist who was always doing that, not just for that singular scene that was really cool. Uh, and from that stemmed a science fiction concept of a hyper-intelligent bacteria that utilized subspace to communicate with its own 
colonies. Um, and everyone's networked. So if it's infected a person, mm -hmm. it will all see what that person sees at all times. So it's the an apex predator. It discovers, oh, this species on this planet Earth is starting to become capable of space travel. I need to go and stop it before it becomes a threat to me down the road. And that's what it does. It just goes around and smites out any intelligence. Other races. Yeah, to make sure it stays at the top. Huh. Sounds very human of these bacteria. <clears throat> um, and my main character is Seek. Uh, because I didn't see Sikhism really represented a lot in science fiction. So I wanted to, uh, she's a Sikh young woman. Um, and so I wound up going to the Sikh Gurudwara, uh, for a couple of months, got to be, I'm still friends with a number of them. Um, if you haven't gone to Gurudwara and you want to just see what it's like, I strongly recommend it. They're a non-proselytizing religion. They don't seek converts. They just seek to give you food and let you hang out. Um, who can argue with that? Wonderful people. Yeah. Just, and everyone was armed. Like everyone carries knives, old ladies, all of them. Everyone's got a knife. And it was like, okay, I feel incredibly safe, honestly. Because, and they were just delightful. Just delightful people. Best that mustaches you'll cool. ever see. I, I'm starting to think you became a writer just as an excuse to research things you don't know about. Yeah, it's it's a complete excuse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to feed my hobby like this. Yeah. Uh, Wolf of the Silver Cross does remember the Fallen movie. so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm impressed. I mean, it was okay. It was, as my wife likes to say, it was the. Oh, is it just called Fallen, not The Fallen? Okay, The yeah. Fallen was a yeah, Space Nine video game. Thank you. Um, yeah. But yeah, as my wife likes to say, it was the okayest. <laughs> so it was the okayest movie, but that one scene stuck out with me. It just made sense to you. Yeah. It hit home. Let's see. What have you read or watched lately that you've really enjoyed? <sighs> um, I'm going to come off like a basic bitch. But I enjoyed WandaVision. Oh, there's nothing basic about that. I don't care what anyone says. That was incredible. You're laughing. I, you're crying. I was hysterical at the end. You've got everything. Every single emotion goes through that. No, I, that's a good well, choice. I've enjoyed MCU. It's a very good comfort show to me. It, it'll yes. flirt with difficult topics without depressing <laughs> me on them. Right. Um, so it's very easy watching. Uh, mm -hmm. Falcon and Winter Soldier I thought was wonderful as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, no spoilers. I'm sorry. What I will say... Is, and this is evident in the first three episodes that were released at once for mm -hmm. WandaVision, mm -hmm. was um, each episode is a different miniature sliver subgenre of um, sitcom. Mm -hmm. And it was great taking that tour and seeing, oh, there's the facts of life. Oh, there's Full House. And the Van Dyke these, Show. The Van Dyke uh -huh. Show. All these wonderful <laughs> little nods of stuff I used to watch as a kid at Nick yep. at Night and whatnot. And the, the way that that anchors into the narrative as a comfort is very impressive, and I very much enjoyed it. it I agree. It was just enjoyable watching. Yep. Don't worry, yep. Jessica, no spoilers. That's you, the beginning of it. Oh, even all the previews, you know that there's a whole bunch of sitcoms in them. So it, it was just really, really well done. Yeah, really well done. I 100% agree, especially like you said, for us who was, were raised on the TV. Right. So right. we so, these things were we understood. Someone who loved television in general was very much involved in that. It was very interesting. It was fun to see. Yes. Oh, yay! Thanks for the bits, Riley. Riley B Music gave us some bits. Thanks, man. Let's see. Where was I? I had a question. Kevin, I'm going to get to your question later. You're going to have to remind me later because I have that question, and he's hilarious. So don't answer his question yet. You'll see why later. Uh. Let's see. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh, 
I mean, while I have obvious preferences for like biomes and cities and clearly, you know, governmental structures, like I would rather be here than say like Myanmar. Um, Good choice. Yes. Usually it's the people that makes the place. That's uh, true. It really does. So wherever, honestly here, I'm incredibly happy here. Uh, I love Scotland though. Love Scotland. Mm. And part of it is that, um, I'm a, a good chunk of me is Scottish. So when I went to Scotland, everyone was pasty and gross like me. This is great. <laughs> and and just like all these rolling hills and no Were they trees. all self-deprecating too? Yeah, everyone was self-deprecating. <laughs> Everything smelled like burnt peat. It was like, oh, this is fantastic. I love it. My people. Uh, all the food, was, whiskey bo- with all no food was boiled into oblivion. It was <laughs> wonderful. I fit right in. Everyone cooks like I do. This is. I have a kilt and I look, I love my kilt. Um, yeah, Pamper Page 26 said he has a kilt. I'm like, I remember you went to Dragon Con. We saw you in it. Any excuse to wear that kilt. Because really? whatever's wrong with me from the waist up is not, not much I can do about it. But man, I got great legs. <laughs> but yeah, so the kilt, all about the kilt. But yeah, I love Scotland. My, my sister was incredibly sweet to take me to Scotland uh, and the whole family. Um, but, and it could, that could change. Maybe I'll travel different places, but yeah, where honestly, I'm always happy pretty much where I am. Um, except South Florida. <laughs> except South Florida. Sorry, but you know, fuck you, South Florida. Um, <laughs> yeah, when you walk outside and your shirt immediately absorbs about, you know, a quart of water, that's too humid for me. So Houston wouldn't be for you either. I didn't mind Houston, but I was only there for a few months during the right time. I missed Ah, uh, okay. Gotcha. I dodged the summer bullet. <laughs> By yeah. the way, the chat was about to be offended. Then they were like, no, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Florida. You know, uh, you know, come on. <laughs> that's that's fair. We, we can't argue with that one. I did like the rain, though. I like the daily summer rain. For an hour, the sky turns black and just, <laughs> that was really cool. We like that, too. Like, 4 o'clock every, every afternoon, you, you knew it was going to rain. Yep, I kind of like that part. Let's see. Uh, yeah, Kevin says, typical sci-fi writer. Where do you want to live? Immediate jumps to biomes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, that's not a normal word? That that I've got like... a fifth grade education. <laughs> Must impress. <laughs> yeah, biomes. Uh, yes. No, you'd be surprised how many people with college educations would not have said biomes. Well, they, yeah. a lot gets lost in the shuffle. No, it does. Well, we talked about, you know, we hung out at Dragon Con and we played Firefly, the board game, late into yeah. the night. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. And did yeah. we ever finish or do we just I say? We did. We got really close and we were like passing out. It, it was because it was late. It had nothing to do with alcohol. Yeah, and we say, were like, we should probably go to bed. I do remember Irish whiskey being involved. Yeah, there was there was a little bit. I might have carried a flask around that had lots of water in it. I swear. <laughs> um. So what is your current favorite tabletop game? Notice I say current. You don't have to tell me favorite yeah. of all time. I yeah, no. Um, funny enough, my, the current is still my favorite of all time. It's called Rococo. And I'll spell it in here. Okay. Um, hands down, my favorite. Right, I'm going to spell it out loud for the people that are on here sure, on sure. the audio. It's R-O-C-O-C-O. Okay, go ahead. Basically, Rococo is each of you is a competing dressmaker in Louis XIV's Sun Court. Is it the 14th or the 16th? I think it's the 14th. It was Louis the Sun Court. Um, and it Lost comes his down head, to, right? So it probably is 14th. 
Yeah, probably is 14. So it, um, it comes down to everyone's competing to make the prettiest dress they can, and you choose and, and compete over where that person is positioned at the ball, what floor they're on, how close to the king they get. Um, you also compete against different types of silks and patterns and threads. And it is a magnificent management game where you're managing all your resources and your employees while trying to screw other people out of patterns, and it gets cutthroat. The things <laughs> you'll hear third party, like if someone walked into a room while Rococo's going on, you'll hear like, I'm going to cut your throat, you stole my green silk. I mean, just, it gets great. That sounds it's, like the French court to me. It's it, so is, it is. It is exactly like that. It. it is such a good game. Um, it was recommended to me by a friend named Darwin, and ever since then, it is absolutely my favorite. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it is so good. In fact, I'm going to, in the chat, uh, uh, I will link the um, link it on a Board Game Geek, which is usually where I go to just to read reviews for games. But awesome. Rococo's my absolute favorite. And if I can fool any poor sap into learning it, I am always down for it. Hey, come over for about four hours. I'll show you this game. Oh, no, it's not too hard. <laughs> Leave your weapons at home. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Dave put it in there for you, too. Look at oh, that. Dave got you. your back. Thank you, Don. Yeah, Dave's awesome. Uh, let's see. So that's fun. We're going to have to try that one. We're looking for a new game. We've been playing a lot of Ascension lately, quite frankly, because I haven't won yet. So I can't stop playing a game <laughs> until I figure it out. So yeah, I, haven't, I haven't played Ascension yet, but I've seen that's it all around a lot. I kind of like that one. Our daughter beats our behind at it every time. So somehow or another, it works with her brain. Liam, our son, enjoys Isle of Cats, and we enjoy playing that. It's basically Cat Tetris on boats. Um, <laughs> That's so fun. It makes perfect sense. If you see it, you're like, oh, okay, Cat Tetris. Um, <laughs> and the Fallout board game that was done by Fantasy Flight had three different, uh, basically, patches through um, expansions. So it's ridiculously convoluted because Fantasy Flight. Um, but it's very good. It's a good game once you figure out how to play the damn thing. You know, one thing at a time. But that's every game, right? you got to figure out how to play it. And then I don't like to play it once. I'm like, well, now I know how to play. Right. Now, now you need to, to play a couple more times. Yeah. Right. <laughs> play it, and then you explore. Yeah, no, absolutely. Exactly. Figure out. How, how does this one work? Let's see. If you could meet any one idol, who would it be? Is it wrong that the first thing that popped in my head was Billy? But I don't think that's the idol you meant. Um, <laughs> I mean, if he's your idol, it could totally work. Oh, man. It used to be a Seamov, but I heard that he was, at the very least, sexually inappropriate with a number of women that he'd worked with or encountered. So now I, uh, I, could, I couldn't. It's too hard um, to keep learning new things about our idols. It's it's important. I'm glad for it. I'm I'm glad. I'd rather know than not. Um, Kevin recommends the golden calf. <laughs> <laughs> I told you two would get along. That's pretty good, Kevin. That's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> um, man, I I okay. This is going to be a cop out to some extent, but I do have an answer. Okay. Um, I tend to idolize actions more so than people. Like, I don't have heroes. I have heroics that I admire. Like, even when it comes to Abraham Lincoln, who's one of those greatly esteemed people, like, I see him as a person. I admire the heroics he did, but I don't necessarily view him as a paragon of humanity or as, as someone to be a hero of. Um, but if I were to pick one individual that I could meet, and this, and they can be dead? Sure. 
I would want to pick someone that I could really learn about and really dive into and explore. And I know idol is definitely not the term, um, but I would really like to find the real concrete historical Judas. Mm, and be interesting. Just sit down and be like, okay, Let's what get all happened? The <laughs> yeah. What the fuck happened? And, and honestly, I, part of it would be, I'd be curious to see his reaction to, do you realize your position in history? And then we would talk about different interpretations of him, like this wonderful comic book called Judas um, that my wife has. It's magnificent. Or Last Temptation of Christ, um, you know, or The Cult of Judas. You know, we could talk about, like, you know, did you have any idea that any of this shit would happen to you? So I would, it would, God. And of course, like, if you were to snip at this thing, like, Galeni loves Judas and idolizes Judas. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. But no, it would. <laughs> That's not what I heard. I yeah, no, if I would yeah. reach back, it would be it would be more to probe a mysterious person in history, mm -hmm. um, because their inadvertent impact on history. Uh, yeah, it would have to be Judas because I have a ton of questions. That's a good question. I like it. That was a new question. You did a great answer. I'm impressed. Let's see. Um, after the last few years, the concept of time travel sounds rather appealing, in my opinion. Uh, you explored a little bit of, of that in The Line, your mm -hmm. novel, The Line. A group of people use a space station stuck between time to observe history until an intruder decides time is his to do with as he pleases. So what sparked your interest in time travel? Um, it was... The, the paradox that became very apparent to me very quickly was that if you traveled back in time to assassinate Hitler, you couldn't travel back in time to assassinate Hitler because there would therefore be no Hitler. Um, also, as awful as it is and dispassionate as it sounds, you would be stealing the opportunity for the world to defeat Hitler. Um, and from, you know, what Hitler had, had done, um, a lot of vigor and pride stemmed from it, um, especially among Jewish population and whatnot. They have Israel, etc. So my thought was that even if you could time travel, why would you ever do so? Mm -hmm. um, and I found it almost ethically abhorrent even to pursue the thought of inventing such a thing. So what I did was I treated time travel as an observation station. And given that you couldn't actually alter your own timeline, they decide to alter or they decide to evaluate a very similar timeline that's so similar there's no discernible difference. So they could tell what actually happened that was likely in their own timeline and what will happen that will likely happen in their timeline. Um, and then that's when I have fun with it where one of the time traveling researchers finds out their future self is an enemy altering the line and they all turn on each other trying to figure out who the future self is. Um, and it also plays into a part, like, we often talk about how we, our adversary, our biggest adversary was our younger self, our past self. Like, mm -hmm. oh, if I wasn't such an idiot and married so-and-so. But with the line, I thought it would be absolutely... No, Zafo never says that. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hit something. Um, <laughs> but with, with the line, it was how absolutely terrifying would it be if you knew your future self was going to be a monster? How would you prepare for that? How would you try and avoid that? Or would you just succumb to it, et cetera? So that's what I tried to play with. Mm. Fascinating. Yeah, Wolf says he loves that book. Yeah, I thank you. At the first the first pass at that, Wolf, um, 
I got to like page 80 and I was starting it on earth and slowly building up to them building Janice and it was just boring. So I just bam, put them on Janice. Um, there were, there's a version of the line that's all first person. Um, and that was odd because it told the reader everything. So instead I decided to make Mary, my protagonist, uh, I told, displayed her in third person to try and remove you from her a bit. Um, because she does have light sociopathy. Not that that's a negative thing. A lot of sociopaths are absolutely vital to society. They're good people. Um, as much as there's a negative stigma around... Or at around least not harmful people. Right. As, as much as there's a negative stigma around sociopathy, if you're going to be a surgeon cutting into a child's heart, you have to be able to disassociate to some level. Mm -hmm. um, so sociopathy has phenomenal uses. And, of course, I learned this from being a medic in the Army, that being able to detach is really important. Um, but So that's why I tried to do it in third person. And also, I was writing a woman who was older and smarter than me, and it felt easier for me as a writer to write her in third person, mm. so I didn't have to be a parent on everything. Um, nice. Lack of confidence is why I went with third person. But there is a first person version of the line that is saved on my drive. It's just not as good. Well, good job. I look forward to reading that one, too. That was on my list. It's I didn't even know about that one. I found it. I was like, dude, how did I miss this? Yeah, it's my bestseller. It's an audiobook. Um, so if you guys have Audible, it's, it's free uh, with Audible's whatever subscription. Um, Alison Voller is the actress who does it. She's hilarious. She's brilliant. She's wonderful. Awesome. Love our audiobooks. Let's see. If you could travel back in time and change one thing about what you had for dinner, what would it yeah. be? I mean, look, this, I, you're expecting something profound on this broadcast? No, no, no. No, no. no. We just, the fact just... that I knew exactly my answer said it all. <laughs> I was dating a girl. I, I was like 29. Mm -hmm. um, don't judge, she was 20. And she made pierogi. Okay. And we ate the pierogi. Mm -hmm. And it was okay. Mm -hmm. And I got so sick. And I don't think it was her fault. I don't think it was the pierogi's fault. She was, a, she was a fine cook, good Polish dish. But the pierogi did not get along with me at all. And it rammed through me like, what's, uh, what's his name? The, uh, the giant battering ram hitting Gondor's gates. Man, it just on fire. Pow. Um, oh, no. I was sick laying in the hallway out of the bathroom because I couldn't go all the way. So she brought me a portable DVD player. And said, do you want to watch a movie while you're sitting there? And she's very nice. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Yeah. While I'm laying here, distract me from this horror show that is me firing out both ends. Sickness, yeah. And so the movie I watched was The Machinist with Christian Bale. If any of you, yeah, Grant, thank you, Kevin, for winning at her. Um, the Machinist is about. Uh, a man who starves himself almost to death and goes crazy. And <laughs> it was probably not the best movie to watch when I was ferociously sick from pierogi. So, yes, I would travel back in time, not eat the pierogi. Movie or not eat the pierogi? <laughs> I'd still watch the movie. The movie's great. For those, okay. of you, those of you who hate yourselves, watch The Machinist. It's phenomenal. But I would totally go back and still watch The Machinist. But I would definitely back away from those pierogi. Still can't eat pierogi. That's funny. Yeah, I just can't. And that was, oh my gosh, that was like 13 years ago. 
Yeah. No, I can imagine though. Something makes you that sick. It leaves a permanent mark in your brain. Yeah. 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 That's great. That's hilarious. You were able to do back in time and dinner and you made it one story. That's how talented Galaney is right here. Y'all getting that? You, you need to get that. I'm impressed. So speaking of food, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm more of a sherbet guy. Does that count or do I need to go with ice cream? Well, I guess sherbet's fine. I don't, I don't know. If I were to go with ice cream, um, Alden's makes a really good black chocolate chip. Um, and by black, I mean uh, chocolate, chocolate chip. Like it's it's fantastic. Chocolate, chocolate, double. Chocolate, 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 chocolate. Uh, and normally I don't do chocolate, but Alden does a really good job with it. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah, that would have to be it. I I got no other interesting answer. Just Alden's chocolate chip. That's perfect. We're we're taking a poll, so we just have to know. But hold okay. on, now I have to find Kevin's question from earlier, because he wants to know. What is a hyper-intelligent bacteria's favorite ice cream? Funny enough. <laughs> it, well, it becomes a character. And as the series progresses, um, as the main character starts developing a means with which to fight this bacteria, it becomes scared. And it pleads for its life because something else has chased it here. Uh, but, funny enough, it always struggles in those moments. So, like, she is at a cafeteria... And notices some people are eating without any type of um, relish. They're eating without any type of enjoyment. And she starts to suspect that those are bacterially infected people that are a part of this organism trying to blend in. And that's how she picks up on them. They don't enjoy food. They just eat it. Um, and they don't enjoy smell. So if there are flowers or nice perfume, if they don't say anything or notice it or walk right through it, that's one of her tells that that person is actually an infected agent of this larger organism. But yeah. If, uh, so they don't it, like ice cream is what you're saying. It doesn't like or dislike. It just, that is too small of a registered stimuli to meet its higher goal. So it just doesn't even register. Later on, when she becomes closer to the thing, she starts giving it lessons on how to pass because she realizes she needs to preserve it as well. Uh, and then we get into that a bit. Fascinating. Yes, Wolf says food is meant to be enjoyed. We totally agree. That's what agree. I'm saying. That's how I gained the 40 pounds here. Huh? <laughs> Kevin says that's exactly how the South detected Northern infiltrators. They ate their grits without any enjoyment. <laughs> Wait, is that actually true? <laughs> There's no way. Because, I mean, I have grits with, like, jelly and jam, and I'm immediately pointed out as a northerner. Yeah, that's um, not a butter, yeah, butter wife, and salt. Yeah, exactly. My wife does cheese. grits, butter, and salt. It's like, oh, yeah. so you make grits worse. And <laughs> no, that's it how makes them southern. delicious. What do you Got put it. on corn? Corn on the cob. What do you put on corn on the cob? Nothing. I just eat the corn. You don't put butter and salt in your corn on the cob? No, it's corn. Why am I going to ruin it with flavor? Oh, that makes sense. Remember, Scottish, we boiled everything. Like, oh, it's chicken, boil it. Potato, boil it. I'm Carrot. starting to think there's been a bacterial invasion. <laughs> I'm not enjoying food. <laughs> it's all of England. I mean, how many times have you seen an England restaurant? Like, welcome to our great English cuisine. And they just open a pot with boiled food and squirrel. I was going to say, know. they call it they call them pubs and they just serve beer and we don't notice the food. It's fine. See, actually, I, I do like grits. Yeah, burn the witch. I do like grits. <laughs> um, but I like them plain because, again, British, no sense taste. 
Oh, it's madness. Madness, William. It is. I'm sorry. Oh, no problem. My gosh, we've talked so much and had so much fun. We have to do a fire round. Are you ready? Quick yes, question. Yes, I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. That's the fun part. That's why we like to do this. Apologize so. is my default. <laughs> I'm trying not to waste your time. I could be here all night. Pretty bad. <laughs> All right, so what is the first thing you put in your grocery cart as an impulse buy? Milk. What part of your daily routine is an absolute must? Oh, I <laughs> I have to go upstairs and take a dump. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. I thought it was going to be bad. No, that works. No, okay. no, it's just like, you know, no, it's, no, that was when I was a teenager. Um, no. <laughs> okay, that's right. <laughs> I have to go upstairs and be like, no, it's going to knock on the door. Don't bother me. Leave me alone. I'm going to check the news. <laughs> this is it. Uh, in the Army, we call that the morning glory. Morning glory. <laughs> and what is your least favorite chore around the house? Um, folding laundry. I'll wash it. But if it could fold itself, that'd be great. Yeah, agreed. Coffee or tea? Oh, God. Oh, it depends, man. If it's if it's Ethiopian, then definitely coffee. Ethiopian coffee is fantastic. Um, typically, I'd go for tea, though. Excellent. And what do you hope? Oh, this isn't a quick one. Tough. I'm gonna ask anyways. What do you hope readers get from your work? Um, I hope that they ask the same questions I did. Oh, clever, clever. They ask the same questions I did, and I hope that they reach conclusions that I hadn't thought of or explored. Mm -hmm. I want to engage. I love it. Well, you engage with us tonight. You're amazing, William. So where can all of your new fans find you and your work? Uh, WilliamLJGalaney.com. Um, the LJ, just you can Google me and find it. Uh, I'm on Amazon right now. This book series is at Evolved Publishing, which is a great publisher. Um, there might be stuff coming from other publishers in the future. Uh, but yeah, just, just give me a Google and you'll find me easily. Excellent. So now after you read William's work, please make sure to review it. It's the best thank you you can give your author. And then also please review this podcast wherever it is that you get podcasts. And you can also follow us on Twitch or you can subscribe on YouTube. And thank you very much for coming. Next week we have Marty, let's see, Marty C. Lee. So that will be fun to interview him. And we also want to thank our subscribers. So we have William as a new subscriber. Thank you very much, William. We've got Dave. And who am I missing, Safo? There's one more. Who's our other subscriber? Safo's furiously typing. There's that another was me. I'm eight sorry, of nine. Eight of nine. That's it. Thank you. Is so that the first name after seven of nine? No, I think well, that's why. Yeah. I think that's why they're eight of nine on purpose. How many hot Borgs were in nine? The, well, nine at least nine, right? I mean, well, or do they just progressively get like hotter? Right. Yeah, see? So we all need to meet eight of nine in person. Questions that nine and nine just leave we have to explore. <laughs> no. All right, roll the credits. Oh, it's cheers. Hello, readers. Knows my, my names. <laughs> you gotta cut it. We gotta do it again. Oh.
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just ruined everything. Oh, 